giving all thanks and praise to God, I want to take a few moments first to say thank you. Thank you to this congregation for calling me as your pastor, for showing up Sunday after Sunday. Thank you for sharing your lives with Marcia and with me and with each other. I am grateful for your patience, faithfulness, generosity and time and money, for forgiveness and chances to try again. I want to thank this fine church staff who are so important to the ministry of Christ in this place. Rosalind Banbury, Suzanne Rio, Mary Kay Collins, Chris Mooney, Terry Sears, Becky Mock, Mary Park, musicians Jim Gorin and Greg Vick. I'm especially grateful to Sheridan Taylor in the front office who kept me on schedule and heading in the right direction. You know, there are a lot of preachers in my family going back several generations, back to Grandfather Wharton, who was from Virginia. And we tell this story to remind ourselves about our place in things. Once there was a congregation down in the country that was known for being really hard on preachers. The word was that every year at the annual meeting they fired the preacher and they went and got a new one. <laughs> well, on this particular Sunday, Reverend Jones was coming up on his one-year anniversary. He got dressed. He went to the 11 a.m. service. He preached the very best sermon he knew how and he sat down. They conducted the annual meeting and they voted to let him stay. And he was elated after the service. He went to the back door. He was grinning. He was shaking hands. He was patting people on the back. And one of the old elders came up to him and said, Reverend, the truth is we don't really want no preacher and you're the closest thing to no preacher we've ever seen. <laughs> So for whatever reason, thank you for letting me stay. <laughs> it has been a privilege to be your pastor. As we turn to the Holy Scriptures this morning, let us pray together. Holy God, not just what we ask for, but what we need, grant us this day. Open the scriptures to us and open us to your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. From the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning with verse 9. In this passage, Jesus, the shepherd, the pastor, gives his parting words to his disciples. And he has just reminded them that he is the vine and they are the branches John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I've made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. What a great scripture lesson to heed this day. In just one passage, we have love, joy, friendship, sacrifice, and the great commandment that holds all of this together. These are the words of Jesus in John's gospel on the night before his death. So this is not a valentine. This is his last will and testament given to his disciples. These are his marching orders, his legacy to them. It is something to keep them, guide them, hold them up in the days ahead. And these words are intended to keep them moving forward toward the kingdom of heaven which is coming. As God has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in this love. This is the inheritance that we have passed down from generation to generation. This is the wonderful domino effect of all those saints who have gone before us, who have embodied the gospel and taught it to us, who taught us to sing Jesus Loves Me, who showed us our way around the Bible, who said grace at the dinner table and taught us to say our prayers before bedtime. They are the ones who drove us back and forth to the youth group meeting or to choir practice or helped us go on our first mission trip. They are the faithful people who welcomed us into the diaconate, the session, the ushers guild, the choir, the PW circle. People who invited us in on a Sunday morning to a Sunday school class, to a church picnic, to a confirmation gathering. We did not get here by ourselves. We do not have to finish alone. The love that welcomes us will not give up on us. I do not know any truer statement of the gospel. The love that welcomes us will not give up on us. And Jesus came to show us this love. Now, we all know that there is nothing easy about this commandment, love one another. This love is not sentiment, it is sacrifice and commitment. During my very first summer in seminary a long time ago, I went to a church on the north side of Philadelphia to work for the summer, and I told my southern friends that I was going to do foreign mission work. I worked in a tough blue-collar neighborhood. I did evangelism and outreach among the teenagers, and there were a lot of ups and downs during that one summer. We opened the church basement for a youth center. We played ping-pong and held Bible study. 
I bought a $25 guitar and I learned three chords so that I could help Marsha lead the singing. One night, some kids broke in and vandalized the church basement, and that was the end of that. There were a lot of ups and downs that summer. I got to preach my first sermon. I got to teach Sunday school. I organized a basketball game between the kids in my neighborhood and the ones in the Methodist youth group across the way. The basketball game ended in a fight. At the end of the summer, some of the church folk had a backyard picnic for Marcia and me, and they gave me a gift. It was a banner with hearts around the edges and a cupid right there at the top, and on it was this devotional message. It said, love is a hell of a lot of work. (laughs) Yes, it is. You know that, but this is the work that Jesus calls us to. It's why we continue to lay down our lives for each other and for many other folk who are not in this room. First Presbyterian Church has become a congregation known for caring for each other and caring for the larger community. You carry out the command to love one another knowing that it is often difficult to do. No one has greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life on a Friday afternoon outside Jerusalem. Most of us lay down our lives one small piece at a time. With a visit to the jail, with a note to a shut-in, with after-school tutoring or a justice ministry gathering, with hands building a clean water system in another country, or helping a person find a job or finding a ride to that job. We lay down our lives one small piece at a time, with choir practice to learn a new hymn, or traveling to New Orleans to rebuild houses after Hurricane Katrina, or meeting early in the morning for Bible study and to pray for each other. I know it is a lot of work, but it is the best work ever. Jesus says this is where the joy is. He tells us this is the very best thing I know. I give this to you so that your joy may be deep, full, complete. It has been my great privilege over 40 years to serve in a variety of ways in this Presbyterian ministry. I was the pastor of a 200-member church in Washington, D.C. when I first started with people from many nations sitting in the congregation. I heard my first Jamaican steel drum band at a church picnic, and I used to baptize children with names like Obafemi Ajayi. I was then a college chaplain for a few years at my alma mater. It took students about 10 minutes to rename me Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) And for six years, that was my name for ministry. Then I was called to an inner city congregation in a tough neighborhood in Charlotte. 
where I preached and I got to sing with the gospel choir. And after a few years, I learned to sing, sway, and clap at the same time. (laughs) We sang songs like, We've Come This Far by Faith, and Thank You, Jesus, You've Brought Me From a Mighty Long Way. And then you called me here to Richmond, and my life went in a circle since I graduated from high school in Richmond. And together you and I have explored the circle of God's love, which keeps expanding in all directions. This is where the joy is. Sure, there have been a lot of hard knocks along the way, plenty of mistakes, ups and downs, just like that very first summer. There have been Saturday nights when I just had no idea what I was going to say the next morning when I stepped into the pulpit. There have been lovely moments of singing with the children or teaching new church officers. There have been terrifying calls to go to the emergency room or sad calls to go sit with a family during their grief. People have come into my office to tell me everything that I was doing wrong, which is a pretty long list. And others have come in to ask for prayer or to say thank you. But what amazes me looking back over all these years is the joy, the joy that is underneath all of this and that is God's gift to us. There is this deep sense of being part of something far greater ever deeper, more eternal than anything I could have hoped for. I love to quote the Apostle Paul, now to God who is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine. It is our joy to be included in what God is up to through Jesus Christ, and it is always more than we planned for. I know that you can find a whole lot of things to do with your time besides coming to worship, to study, to serve in this place. And yet we keep coming back because this is where the deepest meaning is found. This is where the joy is given. This is where we encounter the presence of the living God, the one who loved us first and loves us the most. In his last will and testament, Jesus says, Abide in my love. Give your lives to each other. For this is where joy is found. I want to close with one more family story, but this story goes way back in the family of Jesus Christ, all the way back to the town of Ephesus, where the apostle John lived his last years. The story goes that when John was very old, the folk in the church would come for him on Sunday mornings. He could no longer walk, so they carried him to the place of worship. There he would sit on the front row, bent with age, and all during the worship service he would whisper, Love one another, love one another, love one another. Finally, one day, someone asked him why he kept saying the same thing over and over. And he said, because it is enough. Love one another and it will be enough. 
Thanks be to God.